I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Muto. And this is The Artist Business Plan. Your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists. You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. I'm James Milley, the co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for independent artists in the U.S., and one of the top resources to learn all about art. All things art. (laughs) Uh, Today, we've got Andrew Soria here with us. Uh, Andrew is going to share his thoughts on investing in your own work and finding your market. I'm very excited to hear what he has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you sign up and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fair. Join the number one art fair for independent artists as we travel across the United States reaching thousands of qualified in-person art buyers at every single fair. And prepare yourself for success with a full suite of business resources like our very own podcast, which you're listening to right now. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant it was time for something new. For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. And when you mention the artist business plan, you'll receive a $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Just go online to www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right, so we are back here with Andrew Soria. Andrew Soria is a digital artist and photographer based in LA. Originally from South Florida, he takes inspiration from the vibrant culture of the city, focusing his work on uncommon and colorful architecture. His surrealist cityscapes, composed of his own photography, strive to capture the spirit of a city. Andrew's work has been exhibited in Miami, Los Angeles, Baton Rouge, San Francisco, and featured in several art publications, including Juxtapose, High Fructose, Plastic, and more. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, James? It's great to Good have to you be here. here. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited. Super excited. We we are as well. Um, now, before we get started, Andrew, uh, I want to ask you something to help our guests when they come on to help our listeners get to know you. Uh, what is the earliest memory that you have of art? You know, I've heard this question a lot because I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts. I think they're great. Um, and it is kind of funny. I do have a lot of memories of art. But I would say the most popular one would be when I was in kindergarten. I remember having an arts and crafts teacher. I drew my favorite Ninja Turtle, Michelangelo. And when I finished the front of the drawing, I actually turned the sheet over to draw the back of the shelf. So my teacher was amazed. She told my mom and she said she's never seen a child do anything like that. 
Um, I, I guess just the fact that I was able to realize that, you know, the turtle needed a shell. I turned the paper over, finished the drawing. I guess it was really impressive, but I think that's a really funny memory of just like art in general. Um, I do obviously have more than that. You know, I have like the typical story of being inspired by going to a museum. And I remember seeing a really cool art installation of like little aper, uh, um, airplanes, like hanging from the ceiling. Um, that was just one iconic thing that I can remember, just like a spotlight memory. But I think the, you know, kind of the art story is a little more like fun and interesting to, to I guess, to see how my mind works a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that, uh, that you kind of, even though it was this two-dimensional piece of paper, you decided to, you know, give it that depth, that three-dimensionality to it. Uh, I, I love that. When I was, uh, when I was younger, I would play, uh, Paper Mario, if you've ever, uh, played that. Yeah. Familiar, but it's like, you know, kind of the same thing where there, there is a front and back, but it is, has that two-dimensional, uh, look to it so you know I, I think when you look at your your art and just how collage oriented it is uh it makes sense that you know the way your brain works <laughs> so, yeah a little bit I mean back uh, then I had no idea it was just kind of like a random thing but I mean I've always been drawn to art and stuff like that so it just I guess it made sense and you know I'm glad that I did something like that I'm like glad to be where I'm at now yeah, for sure. Thank you for that story, Andrew. <laughs> um, now let's go ahead and uh, and dive into the rest of the questions that we have for you. Um, all right. So, uh, well, before we begin even talking about uh, your journey through art and the advice that you hope to enlighten our audience with, uh, we need to talk about what you do. Um, so first of all, if you're listening, go ahead, check out Andrew on Instagram. It's Andrew Soria underscore art. Um, and get that visual as you're, as we're chatting. Um, but so Andrew, so with a background in both graphic design and focusing on photography, um, what drew you to the cityscapes that you compose? Well, when I went to school for graphic design, so when I was working in graphic design, um, I was inspired by a lot of other artists and always looked to professional designers in the industry to see what they were creating. And this is when I went to the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I always thought that I needed to try and, and kind of see things in the way that these professionals do, meaning that they, this is, this is the quality of work that was out there. So that was something I would always try to achieve when I would do any projects in school. Um, one guy I looked up to um, would always create these awesome graphic design photo composites. And I always felt that I could do something like that, but I never actually tried to do it. Um, then funny enough, one year my aunt came to visit from New York to visit us in Florida, and she randomly asked me to make a picture of a girl in a city walking in the rain with a blue rose in one of the windows, which... It's very specific. I first thought I was just like, uh, what? <laughs> but I was just like, sure, I could do that. And I thought about the graphic design composites I was inspired by. And I always and I always wanted to make. And I ended up creating my first Photoshop composite, uh, which was called City Life. Uh, at the time, I still didn't know what I was doing. But I think it proved to me that I was capable of creating these really 
beautiful like photo compositions. And it was just kind of a launching off point for me to be able to start creating in that style. I did a couple more after that, but at the time it was still just very new. It wasn't really a thing. And even to this day, I sometimes, you know, kind of have trouble describing what my artwork is because when you say pop surrealism cityscape, a lot of people say, what is that? Um, another term I've come up with um, is called photo illustrations, which I think kind of leans a little more of what I do because it's photography, but it is also collage. And I do it in a way that I guess sometimes people think is just one photo or sometimes they think it's a painting. So it all kind of just depends. But yeah, through all those experiences, that's kind of how I ended up to rhyme. Like if, if I didn't go to school for graphic design, I mean, I don't know if I would be doing what I what I'm doing today. Um, I did want to go to school just for photography. Um, but funny story too, is that at the time when I was in between high school and I needed to find a college to go to, I did not know what I wanted to do at all. And the only experience that I had was in cooking and I enjoyed cooking. So I actually went to the art Institute to sign up to, to be a chef. And um, my mom came, like when we met the, uh, the person that basically says like, you know, why are you here? What do you want to do? And all this stuff, the admissions counselor, that's what, that's what I was going for. Um, she brought like a little portfolio of, of like drawings, which I did not know that she brought them. So she shows up at, at this meeting and I'm just like, yeah, I want to be a chef all this stuff. And my mom's like, Oh, my, my son's really talented. And he drew all these pictures and starts bringing out just random drawings that I did throughout high school. <laughs> and uh, the admissions counselor recommended, he's like, well, what about, he's like, what about graphic design? And I was like, what's graphic design? I had no idea what graphic design was. And, um, He's like, well, it's like, you know, you do stuff on the computer. And, and and the funny thing, too, is at that time, they were I was still doing classes where you would actually have to, like, hand draw advertisements, which was very uh, Mad Men, right? They said, yeah, Mad Men. Um, yeah. Where, you know, advertising, Mad Avenue, all that stuff, like, back in the day, everything was done by hand. So when I actually started school, we did do some classes where you would actually have to learn by hand, but it was all transitioning to computers. Um, but yeah, so I basically just said, sure, I'll try it. Sounds cool. It's, it's artistic. And, you know, that random <laughs> decision uh, kind of shaped the path of where I ended up and where I'm at today, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's funny how that can happen sometimes where it's, you know, you, you don't exactly know that one seemingly small decision at the time can just completely pivot the direction that you're going uh, and kind of also related to that story that you were saying before with the that first composite you made it's like I don't know it's almost like a like a dowsing rod or something where you're just sort of you yeah. you know you're following whatever vibrations are, are sending you in one direction and then uh, and then you kind of figure out what you do you know I, I think that a lot of the times artists feel a little overwhelmed by 
all of the possibilities that are out there and, and all the different yeah. things that they could possibly do, be doing. But, uh, you know, if you just sort of follow whatever it is you enjoy, like if you do something and you like it, great. Like kind of keep following that path. If you didn't love it, then, you know, don't keep yeah. following that path. Like try something else. Um, and there's, there's really no right answer. There's so many possibilities out there. So really just you know, focus on, on what feels right. Um, so it sounds like that's, yeah. that's pretty much what you did. Um, which is Yeah. Great. And honestly, <laughs> another point, like based off what you were saying is that what I realized too, is that I, I've also gotten a lot of comments of just people asking me just, Oh, how did you make this? Like in the sense of, did you already have this idea ahead of time? You're just like, Oh, I'm going to just do this. And you already saw the vision. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Like for me, when I create a composite, I start with one single aspect of it. So I, I, you can easily get overwhelmed. And that's kind of the purpose of my artwork a lot of time is to be overwhelmed. But I think when people see it, they see the end result of how it became that. And it's a step-by-step process. It's not that I just see the end goal and I'm like, this is it. It's just one piece at a time. I just focus, focus on one piece at a time and then just build it. And for me, it's honestly therapeutic. It's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about other stuff while I'm also creating my artwork. So it's not just, it's like, I'm super, super focused in what I'm doing, but you kind of get to a point where everything else around you just fades away and you're completely involved in what you're doing. And then, you know, you're seeing it at a hundred percent, you're seeing it at such a close range. And then just to see it come together at the end, I think is really cool. So but yeah, I always, I always found that kind of interesting is that people would ask me, you know, oh, did you know what you were going to make? And I'm like, actually, no, I just have the concept. I get a bunch of photos and then I just start pulling photos, throw them in Photoshop, do some rough cutouts of them. Some of them yeah. fit, some of them don't. And, you know, that's kind of what it is. And that's what, to me, it's like, it's building a puzzle. So I've actually, I've always loved building puzzles. That's definitely a thing that I still do to this day, especially on the holidays when I'm with my family. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how I see just the way that I create and all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I think that makes a lot of sense since you do have this background in photography. I mean, it you know definitely looks like well, your pieces don't look like just some huge ocean of individual elements. Like there's definitely this hierarchy to you know, what's going on in the piece. It's like, you know, it, there's things that your eyes focus on versus just like not knowing where to start looking. Um, yeah, but it totally makes sense. If uh, if you don't already, you should definitely make puzzles of your pieces. Uh, I think that would <laughs> yeah, be you know, amazing. <laughs> I've, looked, I've looked into it. I've definitely looked into it. And I did find, I did find a company... Yeah, but it, it would still be one off. But it's kind of crazy. Puzzles are extremely expensive because I've actually researched doing it because I, I always thought that they would make great puzzles. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's definitely something I gotta I gotta start working on because <laughs> I've been looking. I've been looking. It's it's getting closer. So yeah, I, I'm working on uh, some merchandise too. So if I end up finding uh, a good site for puzzles, I'll, I'll pass it your way. <laughs> nice. um, Thank you. 
Of course. Um, all right. So next question for you, Andrew. So what does humor do for the work that you create? Uh, is there an aspect of capturing a specific time with your pieces or connecting it to a specific generation? Uh, and I'm specifically referencing this piece that you made. It uh, has a bunch of images of uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, and again, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. go check out his Instagram. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> You know, throughout my career, I've always been frustrated with social media. Um, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that that goes viral that shouldn't. And there's just a lot of silliness in our pop culture in general. Um, there's always, But there's always something to poke fun at, and we get consumed in all of the distractions. Uh, but today, I feel people are willing to do anything to go viral, which is kind of scary. The Shia LaBeouf thing was super random. And he obviously created that green screen video for people to create weird internet things. So I jumped on that and created something completely random and stupid. Uh, for some reason, a lot of the art I don't take seriously at all <laughs> or something I'm making fun of seems to get the most attention. Um, but yeah, something like that, it's just, you know, completely random. It's stupid, but a lot of people take to it. Um, but overall, I would say my art encapsulates a moment in time. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about, it will eventually be forgotten. And a lot of the architecture and buildings I include in my work have disappeared. And I've noticed that even just in the body of work that I did uh, recently, uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood, I did cityscapes of all the neighborhoods in Los Angeles. And a lot of those buildings that I photographed that are iconic buildings in that neighborhood have actually disappeared or have been redone. Um, so yeah, so I think it's important uh, documenting these things and just to have something to look back, uh, something to look back on uh, in the future. But I mean, that's the thing about art. It's, it, is a, it is that moment in time that you are capturing and with what I do, I feel like that, you know, I, I am encapsulating this generation and, you know, I'm, I'm living this life and I'm experiencing these things. So I try to put it out there in a way that people can also appreciate it or, you know, a lot of my cityscapes, it's more nostalgia. People are just like, wow that's my city. Like, I love that place. And it kind of gives those feelings of nostalgia, which I think is super important in artwork, but it also is obviously very, you know, that word's thrown around a lot, but, you know, in the same breath, I do think that it is important to be able to document these things and, and make it historical a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that just the style of your art, it really gives uh, you a chance to do that just because it's not just one street in in a neighborhood or something where you're you know seeing those handful of buildings it's like you can really with all the the layering that you do like have a lot of a neighborhood or a city condensed into one piece so you're really getting that snapshot of like that moment in time like what all of those buildings look like at that moment um exactly yeah. I think, yeah i feel like it's also a a good lesson for artists who sometimes get very anxious about you know, 
like, is my art going to become obsolete or outdated? And like you said, it's a moment in time. We're all making contemporary art. It's, it's part of it that, you know, these things might change. They might go away. It might not be the same. It might not be the newest looking thing. Um, but that's, it's part of it. So I exactly agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so speaking of cities, <laughs> so uh, you got started in South Florida and eventually you made your way west. Um, so how do the markets uh, in L.A. and Miami, the art markets in those two cities that you're most familiar with, how do they differ and why did you choose to move for the art? I mean, they they're very, very different. Miami tends to lean toward more colorful pop art luxury lots of lots of art with designer logos on them uh lots of gaudy art uh, it makes sense though because it does appeal to a lot of flaunty rich people in miami uh la has a bit of everything you see pop art experimental performance and honestly i out here i see i see art that is seemingly purposefully bad <laughs> Um, but overall, <laughs> you kind of feel like there's something for everyone. But yeah, I've, I've honestly just been to a lot of galleries where I'm just, I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And I don't know if it's just for clout or what, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Miami, Miami is a great city. And when I left, it was because I felt stuck and just treading water. Uh, LA, I I actually made the move just, I blindly jumped to LA. I had a friend that was living here and I just wanted a change and I figured I would try it out and see what happens. Uh, first year, super hard. Everybody says that, but you know, once you're here and experience it, <laughs> you'll know. Um, but I got through the rough patches and finally I can say that LA is a home base. Um, but yeah, where I'm at in my life now, it's not something I would do again. And I realize that it's kind of something you do in your twenties. But at the same time, I've definitely learned a lot by making the big leap. I I feel being in Miami, it was all the same people, all the same friends, you know, my family's there. And it, it just got to a point where I didn't feel motivated enough to to do like to do as much or, or I just felt like I could pursue more. So it, it is a good move to make. But like I said, you know, when you're younger in your 20s, great time, go through the struggle, do it. Um, I mean, I do miss home and I try to go back as much as I can. And now I have niece and nephews. So I definitely have to go back and visit them because they're always <laughs> wondering where, where Tio is. So <laughs> And I, it's they're too young to explain that I live in a different city, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, LA, it still has something to offer me and it is something I plan on seeing through at this point. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, no. And I, I, so I lived in uh, Miami for, for two years uh, back in 2015 or no, 2016 and 17. Um, so I definitely hear you, especially on what you were saying about, you know, kind of the same group of people ending up at most art shows and it's like they're, they're really supportive when yeah. they go, but they're not, they're not people who are there buying art. They're not, uh, you know, art supporters in any yeah. other way besides just being excited about it, um, which 
you do need that, but also uh, art sales, uh, you know, that's got to pay the bills. <laughs> so yeah. um, totally understand that. I, I will say that, you know, in, in the last couple of years, we've noticed a lot of trends uh, shifting in the Miami market. Um, but I mean, it just makes sense. LA is a bigger city. You know, you're going to get more of that, you know, variety in styles of art, um, more people looking for art. Um, and I think that, you know, that's sort of a, the, the challenge for Miami to overcome in kind of, you know, really appreciating, uh, you know, a wider breadth of art and also, you know, actually collecting it instead of, um, uh, just wanting to be kind of adjacent to art, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's been super weird because I, I've seen Miami when it was really going through like the huge change of having the whole downtown, like now there's a flat iron. But when I went to Miami last, I did not recognize anything, which is completely insane <laughs> because there's so much new architecture and it is nuts. And when I lived there at the time, I did a piece that I was actually super pissed off in Miami and it was called under construction because the city literally would flood during severe rainstorms and a high, like a really bad high tide. And it was from global warming. So I, I even watched some documentary where they talked about it because in, um, uh, is it sunset Harbor? I forget where to like, it's on South beach. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there was a street there that would just flood during a rainstorm and it would be like two feet or something. And the city built up the street to deal with the problem. So instead of actually that, fixing it, yeah. I think they just made the street higher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. No, no. It, it, <laughs> that, that is sunset Harbor. Um, yeah. It's yeah. like that little stretch, like just above Lincoln road, kind of like before you're going over the causeway. Um, yes. but yeah, no, I, I, they, they did, they just built up the, the roads, um, which is like, yes, I think it's smart to prepare when you, you know, that something's coming. I mean, like we don't want, we don't want Miami underwater, but also, you know, what else can we do? <laughs> so. Yeah, it was, it was just insane to me. Cause I was just like, wait, so this is how they're dealing with the problem. And I lived, uh, I lived off the last exit on 95 was like the Rickenbacker causeway. I think it was, and I was right by Brickell and the small building that I lived in and the time that I lived there, they decided to start two new construction projects on both sides of my building. <laughs> so every day I would like wake up to construction noise and uh, it was insane. I, I just couldn't, I was just like, this sucks. So I literally did a crazy composite of all the construction and like crazy rainstorm and flooding. And it was just kind of my way just to deal with what I was going through at the time. But yeah, I mean, Miami's, it's definitely got a, a big growth period and it's, it's kind of interesting because a lot of it too, which I realized with Wynwood is that it has now become more of a tourist area versus a community for artists. And what kind of sucks about it, it never allowed uh, our culture to develop. It's like, yeah, there was the, it's still cool. There's still spots to go out to. But I mean, even now, last time I went there, now they're charging to go into Wynwood Walls, which has been free forever. And now yeah. they're charging a fee. And I'm just like, wow. So I don't know. They, they got a lot of growing, growing pains to go through. But 
I, I mean, it's still a great city and there is a lot to offer, but I mean, I basically grew up there, so I needed to change. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, sometimes it's, it's also like, you know, I know that a, a lot of people who grew up in New York, they, they end up wanting to go away from New York because it's just, it's where they grew up. They need that change of scenery. So, um, it just depends, but uh, that was yeah. what, what you were saying about Winwood. That's sort of what I was alluding to with the being adjacent to art, but not like directly supporting it is sort of, you know, the whole, yeah. you know, kind of just more focused on, uh, you know, Where's using art for a party? selfie and free drinks in a party than, yep. uh, than actually, uh, uh, you know, supporting artists. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. It's what yeah. it is. Oh, well. Miami yeah. will get there. It's 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 already part way there. <laughs> I have hope. I have hope for you, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, well, we are going to come right back, and Andrew is going to tell you more about working with galleries and other financial concerns. But first, a message from our sponsors. Artists, not sure about the next move in your career? Whether you're a talented emerging artist or a nine-to-five career artist looking for an upgrade, Superfine Art Fair is the boost you've been waiting for. Showcasing top quality work with the highest level of production in the industry, Superfine has been continually developed over the past seven years to become the number one art fair for independent artists in the United States. If you want to make lifelong connections with collectors, if you're willing to learn new methods of marketing, and if you're able to make a plan and execute on it, then you're going to fit right in with our business artist community. From the east to the west, there are plenty of opportunities to expand your arts career with Superfine. To apply for a Superfine art fair near you, visit www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take an additional $150 off of your booth fee for any city and any fair that you choose. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so Andrew, you have had the opportunity to show in multiple galleries. Uh, what has been your relationship with galleries and can you walk us through the idea of pay-to-play galleries and how to know when you are being used? Yeah, so the hardest part with getting started as an artist is showing in a gallery. So usually when you approach a gallery, the first thing they do is they want to see your CV. Well, if you don't have a CV, the first question is, where have you shown before? So it becomes this this paradox. Uh, I think this is the biggest conundrum with getting yourself seen as a legitimate artist. Um, but yeah, a pay-to-play gallery, it's exactly what it sounds like. You pay the gallery in order to show your artwork on their walls. And it's like, yeah, you're paying, but they're also taking a smaller cut than a traditional gallery. So it can work out depending. You just have to judge it for yourself. I mean, the standard cut for a normal gallery, it's it's 50-50. I mean, it sounds crazy, and it, it's kind of because it is. <laughs> but if you're approaching a gallery with no experience, you also have to think, <clears throat> why would they take the risk to show your art on their walls for free? Ultimately, your art career is an investment, and you have to invest in it if you want to succeed. So in the beginning... Uh, pay-to-play galleries can be super super helpful to get your foot in the door. After that, if you're still showing in those pay-to-play galleries and not seeing any return, it's it's probably not a good investment on them at that point. Um, but yeah, it kind of it really just it really just depends. For me personally, I did do a pay-to-play gallery, 
And it was, it was a big deal for me because it honestly gave me the confidence to say that, oh, I'm an artist. Like I'm actually in the gallery now. And I took myself a little more seriously. So in that sense too, it is, it is a good thing. It is a good thing to do. But yeah, after that, if you're just only doing those, it's not, I mean, and they're also super expensive. So it's like, in all honesty, if you can get accepted into a legitimate art fair, <laughs> like super fine or something like that. I mean, that's even way better because you're, you're just going to have more experiences. You're going to be with other artists. You're going to be meeting all sorts of people. And it really, it, and also too, it's like pay to play gallery. It's like, even if you're there for a month, um, the opening is really just, the opening night is the night. So uh, it almost makes more sense if you're able to get accepted into a fair because you essentially have like a whole opening weekend and pe a lot more people are generally going to that as opposed to just like a random exhibition. But yeah, you just, you have to judge it. But yeah, you, you do have to, you do have to invest in it and you do have to take that, that leap with your career. Yeah, no, and I mean, obviously, you know, I I run an art fair, so I <laughs> uh, I have somewhat of a bias, but in as much of an unbiased opinion as possible, and I guess from the perspective of me as an artist, you know, there's there's definitely a combination with what really whatever um, uh, whatever entity we're talking about, whether it's a pay to play gallery, where it's a fair where you're paying an exhibition fee, or whether it's a gallery that you're not paying anything, but they're doing that 50-50 split, you know, there's going to be good examples and bad examples. So a pay-to-play gallery, you know, it's a lot of the times it has that negative connotation, but if it is a way to actually have something on your CV, which like you yep. said, a lot of, um, you know, galleries that aren't pay-to-play, they're like, show that you <laughs> have exhibited your work. And it's like, yeah. well, I can't exhibit my work unless you show me. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, you have to find some other way, whether it's producing your own shows, exhibiting in fairs, uh, yeah. or, or doing the pay-to-play gallery. You have to start showing your work. And yeah, um, yeah there's going to be like total scammy pay-to-play galleries. There's going to be ones mm -hmm. where they know how to market their, their show. Um, and then same for fairs and even same for the galleries. I mean, there's some yeah. galleries where you're not spending anything, but it's a total waste of time because they don't know what they're doing. I've been there like even, you know, before Superfine, I showed in galleries that it went nowhere and it still cost yep. me a ton of money to get the work to the gallery. So, um, yeah, exactly. It just depends. <laughs> yeah, it um, does. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so one idea that recurs on the podcast and in our other conversations with artists is the idea that you should be doing what you love. Um, but of course, we also tackle this idea of it costing money in order to succeed uh, as an artist in the art industry, pretty much like any other. So how do you balance this notion of love for the art and also needing money to make money? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's such a great question um there's so many creative jobs out there that you can do to sustain your art career um i mean you may not be a full-time artist at the moment but you can do a job that helps fulfill that passion in the meantime personally i work in the photo industry 
So I digital tech, I photo assist, and now I'm currently transitioning to start shooting. I actually teamed up with a group called Miami Reps, which is based in Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If, if you're creating art just to create art, you are an artist. If you're doing it just to sell art, then that tells me there's no passion in what you're doing. And if you're an artist and you want to make money in it, you have to build that confidence and you have to invest in yourself, kind of what I was going back to before. Um, but I, I'm, I honestly, I get huge fulfillment in seeing people experiencing my art in person. And I don't see me investing in my art as a negative. It's not a money going out situation. It's, I mean, you're building a platform for your art to be seen. And it's just, it's just overall gratifying. Um, I mean, honestly, just as you would spend money to go out on the weekend and let loose, investing in your art career and making art can honestly have the same satisfaction. So I, that's just how I see it, you know, generally, but yeah, I mean, most people, it's like, if you're doing something and you're passionate about it, you're overall, you're just going to make it work. You're going to make that sacrifice and do what you need to do to to get where you want to be essentially yeah a hundred percent i mean there's um uh this new york times article that we uh reference all the time but it's basically exactly what you're saying where it's like if you love making art if you do have this component to it where you are selling it you're making money on your art that allows you to make more art and you know, if you're passionate about making it, you know, you want to have the the resources in order to, to make it. Um, and then also, of course, I mean, having other people see it, sharing it with them, you know, that is also hugely satisfying, not just for yourself as as the artist, like people complimenting your work and, and really enjoying seeing it, but also being able to share it with other people and having that impact on them. I mean, that's something that like not many other things out there or not everything out there is able to, to give that impact. So, um, I totally agree. It's like, yes, there's this commercial aspect to it, but ultimately like as long as, as you genuinely in love making the art that you make, I mean, that's, that's the most important part versus it being like, you know, a absolutely pure where you know the the topic of of art and selling it never comes up you know it's no it's okay for that to come up it just yeah you know, needs to not be just about that yeah and it's like that's the thing it's like having the passion is one thing and if you just want to do it to do it by by all means you know but if you want to make money doing it you do have to look at it as a business which is the hardest thing for an artist because all you want to do is create and not think about finance, you know, parts of it or anything like that. You just want someone to do that all for you. But either, I mean, if you need to make money to survive. So if you're not going to invest that time and energy to take yourself seriously as a business, you're essentially going to be doing it for somebody else. So if you don't want that responsibility, that's completely fine. Uh, but you're just not you know, you're probably, you're probably not going to be selling art as much or, you know, it's, it's on you deciding what you think is most important, which is completely fine. But for me personally, I do see it 
as a business and something that I want to take seriously because, you know, if I wasn't making money doing it, I would still do it anyway. But I want to get a point, get to a point in my life where I'm only doing that and I don't have to supplement the other stuff that I'm doing. But at the same time, the other stuff that I'm doing is enjoyable and it is creative. So that in itself is already just like a great thing to have is that I'm not working at some job that I hate. It's, you know, I freelance and I, I'm on sets with like huge celebrities a lot of times. It's crazy, especially out here in LA. So you experience so many <laughs> surreal things. They're just like, wait, what? You're like, what? I'm at Mark Wahlberg's house. Like, what is going on? <laughs> like, it's insane. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, those jobs, I mean, they are in major cities. It's in LA, it's in New York. Miami does have that as well. But yeah, you will eventually have to go to, you know, like a bigger pond in order to expand your network and, you know, what you do and, you know, the people you want to be around. So it's just what sacrifices are you willing to make to, you know, to get what you want with, you know, your art career. So yeah. Right. And I mean, first of all, that sounds super cool. Um, but also, you know, in yeah. terms of uh, in, in terms of making money on your art and also having uh, another job. So you have uh, multiple streams of income, uh, but having that other job be something you love as well with both. I mean, you know, let's say you you don't want to be making money with your art, but you want to be doing it. Well, unless you have some trust fund or, or some just like pile of money and you don't need to work, you know, you're going to have to do something that exactly. is, is making money and is, is work. So you might as well do something that you love. And, you know, instead of dedicating hours to, you know, some, some job you don't like, you can make your, your, you know, quote unquote job besides making art, it can be selling your art. Um, so it, yeah. it can just be feeding into the same thing. You can love it. Same with, you know, what you're saying about your personal photo career. It's like, that is super cool. And it is also, you know, even if you're not making your own art, it's going to feed into the creativity behind it, your technical skill. So it is still, you know, uh, t like tangentially uh, related to to uh, what you're what you're making. Yeah. So if you have the choice, might as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Cool. Well, Andrew, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it home for our listeners out there uh, with one last question. What would you say is your number one tip for artists who are just getting started? Ooh, that's a good one. So number one tip I would give to new artists is definitely apply to open calls. Um, there's so many different ways and opportunities to get your work out there, especially today with social media and everything. Uh, but when I started, I've never heard of an open call. I honestly, I didn't know anything. Um, I honestly, you may be able to skip pay to play galleries by getting accepted to one of these open calls because it's usually a group show. But yes, they will also request a CV and bio. Sometimes you can get one with a blind jury, which I think I have done before. So if you get uh, open call, you get accepted with a blind jury. They're judging purely on the artwork itself. Um, so there's a good chance you can get selected if you have no experience and you just want to get out there. 
Um, they are usually free. Some do cost money. And, you know, again, it's an investment. It's usually not too expensive. Maybe it's 20, 30 bucks. Some can be a little more expensive where it's like 50 bucks. I usually don't go for those as much because it's, it's enough of an investment where it's just like, uh, I'm not sure. And you do also just have to just judge the gallery itself because a lot of these open calls are, are store galleries. And sometimes it seems like the gallery is, it, it's the same thing as like a pay to play in some circumstance because they're charging artists like a $50 entry fee, making a decent amount of money to cover their end. So they don't even really need to show or sell anything at that point. But either way, I think I found it the best way to really get your art out there because you can apply in different states, different areas. Some are specific. Some will say you can only apply if you live in this city, but that will always be in the, the, the rules of the, of the call. Um, you can use callforentry.org. That's like a huge one. Uh, artconnect.com I use. Another one is Artist Communities Alliance. I'm not sure what their website is, but I'm sure if you Google it, you can find it. Um, but there's there's a bunch more. And then the other thing is just, you know, follow galleries on social media that's similar to your artwork. That's extremely important. You should not just submit to random galleries. You need to make sure that they're showing your style of art because it is, it's all curated. So a curator is essentially picking a certain style or a, a, you know an idea that they're trying to present. So just make sure you're in line with what the gallery says. Um, but yeah, they're, they're around all year. So you just have to check constantly, like go on call for entry all the time, see, see what's coming up, see the deadlines. I mean, to this day, I'm still always applying to open calls. I think I'm in the process of applying to, I think, two or three of them. The other thing, too, is that a lot of open calls, you do need usually a statement. Um, if you can, use something like Fiverr to have someone write copy for you, because I think the hardest thing as an artist is developing your voice as well. Um, I've honestly been using my girlfriend, who's actually amazing at writing a lot of my copy. Um, but she's actually helped me out tremendously because it, it's kind of funny. A lot of stuff I read back, I'm like, wow, that's actually, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's pretty great. But that is, that is a big aspect of open calls too, is just having a really, really good statement, like a clear, concise idea of what you are sharing with them. So generally whenever and it's going to be the same thing with it with the gallery it's when you're presenting your work you do need to have clear concise idea of what your work is about and why you're sharing it with them if you're just going there and say hey cool look i made this check it out nobody's going to care they want to know the idea like how did you come to this like what is the process behind this of what you're creating or what is the story that you're telling and i think now too a lot of <clears throat> the younger generation can connect with that because social media is literally transforming into things like TikTok, where a TikTok is a, creating a story. It's like a raw version of who you are. And those are the things that start to go viral, which I find is really interesting because the younger generation is more interested in 
the the story of how something is developed. And I know a lot of people think it's just, you know, dumb content and dances and all that stuff. But I can't tell you how many people and galleries and artists and all like trying to use TikTok now. It's crazy. And I I've honestly been using it for I think a couple of years now. And it literally took me just couple months of just learning how to do it but now with instagram reels i see so many people doing it and just trying to create content and not really knowing how to use it because it's not what i thought social media like my version of social media growing up is very different than today's generation so i've learned a lot by doing it but i've also realized that it does open a huge door because you're being you tend to try to be a little more vulnerable on on something like that and like telling that story but that's that's what it's about it's honestly about telling your story so if you want to do that through your content you know of you know instagram reels or tiktok or whatever you also have to think in the same way as approaching a gallery is that they want to know your story they want to know who you are and i just think overall that's what it is it's just what you're passionate about you do have to be vulnerable a lot of the times, which a lot of people don't really want to accept. And I mean, that's sometimes maybe why I wasn't so drawn to Miami was because I felt a lot of it was fake, but you do see that in LA as well. And I do realize that you're going to see that pretty much anywhere you go, but in the same breath, there, (laughs) there are genuine people, there are genuine, there's going to be genuine curators and, you know, uh, gallery owners and all that stuff. You just got to sift sift through the crowd and, you know, find, find what you're looking for, you know, but yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, content is definitely king nowadays. Um, But that's something that uh, people say um, at Superfine as well. When they come, they love hearing the artist's story. It's a big reason why people end up actually buying the art. Um, So having yourself part of the, the equation, not just, you know, here's the art and, you know, you don't know anything about the artist's personal life or anything like that. It is, it's important to, to include that as part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to what you were first saying about, you know, open calls and, uh, just applying to things as you can. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely huge, but also like you were saying, even if it's just like a, you know, 40, $50 fee to, to, um, enter those definitely add up. So, same with reaching out to galleries, same with whatever you're doing, being selective about it, kind of like we were talking about before, making sure that you're finding the ones that are a strong fit for you and also are, are worth your time uh, is, is very important. Cool. Yeah, and honestly, right. I was oh, going to yeah. bring, <laughs> I was going to say one more thing. It was honestly, now there's virtual galleries because of COVID, um, but it's just another avenue. Like I, I've learned that, I, I think I'm in a virtual gallery right now. I don't know as much as like the turnaround is being able to sell work, but you know, they're putting out press releases. They're, they're spreading that out there. So it's just more eyes on your work. And it's like the best part about that is like, for me personally, I don't have to print artwork, which is extremely expensive for me. So there's no printing the artwork, no shipping. It's just another Avenue, but that's also Mm -hmm. another good thing. I just, I just remembered. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that the other thing, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to end up spreading yourself too thin, but it is really important to, you know, have your art being available in 
multiple different ways. So you're not putting all your eggs into one basket. And I think kind of going back to that conversation about galleries, you know, like having a, um, an exclusive relationship with a gallery where you're basically fully passing over the responsibility for it selling to someone else is not the right, um, you know, business move. No. Uh, and I, th I yeah. think that having a relationship where, you know, they do have some of your art available, you ha you're doing uh, your own things uh, as well. And then if there's something like a, a virtual gallery that you want to try out, I mean, it's not the be all end all. So if anything, it, you know, you can have that experience. And then if, if it's not uh, something you want to continue doing, it's, you know, you, you at least know that now. So you can, um, yeah. uh, no, no harm. <laughs> yeah. And that was a great point. Honestly, the, the, all of the eggs in one basket, which is something I feel like I did earlier in my career where I got with a really reputable gallery and I was just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, this is it. Now I'm going to make it. And, you know, and it just, uh, it, it was great. It was a great way. experience. <laughs> it does not go that way. Like you're not going to, like, no one is going to work harder for you than you work for yourself. So if you're not putting in constant work and effort into what you're doing, don't expect that someone else is going to do it for you. So that's something that I kind of learned the hard way a little bit was just thinking like, okay, cool. Like this is it, you know, but I, I come to realize that it's basically just a, a persistent thing. You always have to be working on your craft and also just getting yourself out there. So it, it's not something you should ever stop doing. It's just a constant flow and you'll enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy doing it. I, to be honest, I get excited when I find a new open call or another opportunity. It's just like, that's something else for me where I'm like, oh, maybe I can get in this. Oh, sometimes they have prizes. Like um, one here I'm going to be doing soon is called Mosaic Philanthropy. And I've literally, you know, gotten prize money just by getting artwork accepted. So there's, there's just so many different avenues today, which is really amazing. So I just think, I mean, as an artist now, it's it's really it's really a great time. But uh, just keep working hard and just keep persisting and just you know don't stop what you're doing. Could not agree more, Andrew. Um, and yeah, also uh, you know uh, as artists, you know it's really fun to have your art uh, get out there in new avenues and and for people to to you know people to see it. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. it shouldn't just live in your studio. So, uh, yeah, the, exactly. the more ways for people to see it, the better. <laughs> um, yep. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, if you are listening and you want to listen again or to any of our other podcast episodes, you can go to our website at superfine.world uh, to connect with Andrew. Again, you can follow him on Instagram at Andrew Soria underscore art. Be sure to check us out at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram too. Uh, we always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. Um, and also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts whenever you get the chance. Uh, those ratings and reviews are critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs find us. And as always, I'd like to wrap up by sharing a quick quote with you all. Uh, the quote is by Edgar Degas, and it is, art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Andrew, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so grateful. Thanks for having me. It's, it was great. I'm super excited that we got this, I got this opportunity and just to be here today. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's it's been great having you. Love your art. Again, everyone, go check it out. <laughs> um, everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan. Hosted by me, Alex Mito. And me, James Milley. Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click The Artist Business Plan. And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan. Mm-hmm.